The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, thanks very much for joining us for our latest podcast. We actually do have some news this week on the Rays side of things. While it's not official yet because uh, the Rays haven't announced it to this point, there have been multiple reports uh, and we had a blog about it that Chris Archer is coming back to the Rays pending his physical and that's something we're going to chat about with uh, one Dave Wills um, and also look forward because we've got our first countdown to opening day show coming up uh, on uh, Thursday of next week. Uh, now, one piece of news that did become official is that Denard Spann is now a special assistant in the Rays front office. So we will chat with him directly about that and what led to this uh, move in terms of his uh, baseball career path. Uh, and then beyond that, we'll chat with one of the uh, pitchers from the Rays uh, system who is headed back to spring training as a minor league invite. And that's Tyler Zombro, who's a fascinating individual, and he will be our third guest on the show today. We start, though, with Dave Wills. And uh, Dave, it's good to chat with you. This has been, uh, in some ways, a very long offseason, uh, in some ways a very short offseason, and it certainly has been a strange one. Slower, faster, um, uh, you know, every end of the spectrum, obviously. I mean, uh, you know, the season went right up until Halloween with uh, the Rays going all the way to the World Series. Um, you know, it was really an awkward offseason, Neil, because, uh, you know, again, with all the uncertainty surrounding the uh, pandemic, the COVID-19 situation, when we're going to start. There's been rumors that it was going to be pushed back. Uh, you know, everything going on at the Trop, too, with uh, some of the things happening there that have prevented the players from having some of their normal workouts. I mean, we're kind of accustomed to seeing, you know, anywhere from 10 to 25 guys working out at the Trop uh, during the wintertime, and we didn't have that opportunity. So, And there's still that separation where um, we haven't been able to get together with people like we do normally so yeah I, you know it's been one again one of the more awkward off seasons of uh, of my lifetime and i'm sure for you as well and uh anxious to get this started but there's still some questions as to the when and the where on that situation as well no question about that um but we have had a lot of news in the past week and as we record this uh chris archer's uh return is not official but we know it's happening what was your take when you heard about the news dave you know, I'm somewhat excited. I know that uh, I've received a few text messages and uh, messages on Twitter that, uh, you know, have been kind of uh, greeted by a collective yawn with bringing uh, Chris Archer back. But, uh, you know, I, what I've tried to tell people is I have uh, uh, some excitement. I, I think that, you know, again, when Chris Archer was here, did he live up to expectations for the majority of the time that he was here? Maybe not, but he still was an all-star a couple of times, and every, he took the baseball every fifth day. And uh, when you're looking to fill some holes that have been uh, – uh, created with the departures of Charlie Morton and Blake Snell. The Rays need some guys who can eat innings. And, uh, you know, I think Chris Archer, the pitcher, just Chris Archer, the pitcher, could really be a, a, a big plus for this Rays team. Uh, we know what he can do when he is on his game. And I think what happened with Chris is his uh, time with the Rays uh, uh, started to come to an end was I think Chris tried to be more than Chris Archer. I think Chris Archer was trying to be Chris Archer, the pitcher, Chris Archer, the ace, Chris Archer, the leader in the clubhouse, Chris Archer, the face of the franchise. And all that stuff maybe uh, started to weigh on him a little bit toward his latter stages as a member of the Tampa Bay Rays. So I'm excited to get Chris back. And I think uh, the message that I'd be sending him, and I'm sure what the Rays are telling him, is just be Chris Archer. He doesn't have to be technically a leader on this team. I think there are leaders on this team uh, already that he doesn't have to come in and think he has to do uh, more than just go out there and pitch to his uh, 
capabilities. And, and if he does that, I think he's going to be a benefit to this team because obviously, as I said, this team needs innings. Now, how are the Rays going to use him? What I've been telling people is I'm not expecting him to come in and be our number one or number two guy in the rotation. I'm thinking more of either a number three or a number four or even a bulk guy, uh, believe it or not. Uh, maybe a guy that, uh, again, is coming off an uh, injury and maybe a guy that the Rays uh, look at, all right, well, maybe we'll get a, a, an opener in front of him and then use him two times through the order, get us to the fifth, sixth, or maybe you know the seventh inning and then go from there. So uh, I think there are a lot of options with the way that they can utilize Chris Archer. And like I said, I'm excited. I like Chris Archer as the person. I like him a lot most of the time as a pitcher. Uh, I think at times toward the end of his stay here, he got predictable with the, the fastball away and the slider away, and people started sitting on that. I think, as I've said many, many times, I said it with Blake Snell, and I'll say it again with Chris Archer. If he's going to be successful at this level, especially in the American League East, he's going to have to pitch in a little bit more. Everybody knows he didn't do that a lot while he was at the Rays the first time around. Maybe that's an adjustment he makes here the second time around. And I think one thing that's also important, he's on a one-year deal. I think he comes in pretty motivated and ready to show people he's got a lot of left in, a lot left in the tank and, and uh, another contract in front of him. Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, what was it? I think Earl Weaver, any manager back in the day, used to say, give me a bunch of guys with uh, on one-year deals and I'll get you to the postseason probably. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, to, to play for if you're Chris Archer. It might be his last chance at getting – a, a nice size multi-year deal. And, uh, you know, again, there's six and a half million dollars is what I'm seeing. Uh, Mark Topkin report in the Tampa Bay times, plus some incentives. Uh, that's still a nice little chunk of change for a guy coming off an injury that didn't really throw a pitch at all in 2020. So th there's some risk uh, involved with the Rays, And I'm sure there's some risk uh, for Chris Archer, who probably might've been able to get a couple more bucks from somebody else, but there's the comfort factor of uh, Kyle Snyder, uh, Stan Borowski, mm -hmm. Uh, the, the research and development that the Rays provide to uh, Chris Archer and the coaching staff to get him ready for a game. So I think it's a nice, soft landing spot for Chris Archer. And I'm really, like I said, Neil, uh, I know some people have kind of been texting me and, uh, you know, like I said on Twitter, uh, kind of nonplussed by the signing. Uh, I, I'm excited. I really am. And I'm looking forward to see uh, Chris, whether it's going to be up close uh, in Port Charlotte here in the next uh, few weeks or from, from afar, depending on all <laughs> the uh, COVID protocols going forward. And a couple of things on that, you know, you mentioned he just has to be Chris Archer. A lot of people have said, well, you replaced uh, Blake and Charlie with uh, Chris Archer and Michael Walker. And I say more to the contrary. And I wrote a blog about this, that it's those guys plus the McClanahan's, the, the uh, McKay's, the, um, the Joe Ryan's, the Luis Patino's, all those guys are combining to fill those innings. They're not one person who's trying to fill those roles. No, Josh Fleming's in that list, mm -hmm. in that mix as well. I mean, uh, you know, this is going to be a uh, all hands on deck. You know, I know there's been some talk about how you're going to put together rotations here in 2021 after an abbreviated 60-game season uh, in 2020. Uh, are you going to go to six-man rotations? Are you uh, going to go to uh, stay with a five-man rotation but maybe mix in a couple of guys uh, here and there, go with openers, go with uh, uh, bulk guys? Uh, you know, I think the Rays are always really, really good at being uh, out in the forefront. And I think, uh, you know, again, when you talk about what Eric Neander and, uh, you know, Peter Bendix and the rest of the front office in assembling this uh, team, along with uh, Kevin Cash, Kyle Snyder, and Stan Borowski, they're, they're, they're filling up all the uh, the innings that they know they're going to need throughout a, uh, a regular season. And, uh, you know, again, this is not going to be just five or six guys getting the job done. This is going to turn out to be probably closer to 25 to 30 guys, again, that are going to have to throw a baseball at some time for the Tampa Bay Rays during the uh, regular season. 
That includes starters and relievers. And I think we're going to be looking at anywhere from, you know, probably 10 to 12 starters, if not more, uh, between uh, now and the end of the season as well, between attrition and maybe injury. It's just the way things go. So I think uh, one of the things I've been telling people, too, is I'm not sure the Rays are done Mm -hmm. after Chris Archer. I still think there's another bulk guy or two that they're going to be looking at to, uh, you know, maybe do a little bit of the Dodgers model where, uh, you know, you you, you can go and, Come have a guy come out of the bullpen and not be just a one inning guy, but be a three inning guy or maybe a, a four inning guy that that you know may not have the stuff to be a starter, but you can use him to get through one time through the order or maybe one and a half times through the order, and you go from there. So uh, you know when when other teams are yinging and and thinking that they've got it figured out, the Rays have already yinged. They're, they've moved along to the yang part, and hopefully uh, uh, you know again and, and Eric and Peter and company I trust to uh, to get this team uh, assembled and. You know, and we talked about this many times during the regular season last year, where this might be a year again where the offense is going to have to take some of the pressure off of the pitching staff as well. Yes, and I want to get to that, but I also want to, you know, the point you brought about adding, they're going to have some flexibility soon. Once camp opens, they've got three spots with Beeks and Poche um, and Chirinos where they can put them on the 60-day and bring in a guy at a minor league and suddenly elevate him to a big league deal or, in essence, make a handshake deal that, you know, we're going to announce your signing the day you they, day we can make those moves. So they do have some roster flexibility coming up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, they, that, they, that they do. And, you know, and there's going to be some guys that uh, hopefully we'll get back. You mentioned Brendan McKay a little bit earlier. Uh, hopefully he's a guy that we can get back sometime during the 2021 season to help out. And, and he would be a guy that can give some innings for you as well. But, that, yeah, that's that's right, Neil. I mean, this this race team does have some flexibility, and and I think that there's still going to be some guys out there. Obviously, uh, after camp opens, whenever camp opens, uh, that you might be able to sign right then and there. Uh, they, you know, obviously, as you said at the beginning of this podcast, uh, the, the the free agent market moved very very slowly, and uh, you know, there's still some guys out there. Speaking of <laughs> former Rays, I mean, Jake Odorizzi is in that mix. Uh, I'm sure he'll probably be signed here in the next week or two before camp opens up, but. Uh, there's going to be some some interesting arms out there that, uh, you know, the Rays are, are really, really good at uh, bringing somebody in and, and getting the maximum out of them uh, while other people uh, were, were kind of looking the other way and thinking that this guy might be done. You mentioned the offense, Dave. Um, in the last 24, 48 hours, you heard more mentions of the Rays even tied to Marcelo Zuna. I still think that the offense has a lot of room to grow with or without an addition, I actually was kind of encouraged by the guys they have coming along. Were you surprised to hear about that, or is that his agent posturing to get more teams involved at this point? Um, why would an agent do that? I mean, you know, I think you and I and Andy have talked about this privately, maybe even on the air, that if I'm an agent, you know, needs to find a home, why wouldn't I whisper that the Rays might be interested? Because then all of a sudden, uh, 29 other major league teams <laughs> start to think, well, if the Rays are interested... This guy's got something. We got to think about it too. So uh, it, I think it's some agent posturing. I mean, let's face it. Uh, that, that's usually not an aisle that the Rays uh, shop in all that much is uh, high priced uh, designated hitters. I was kind of keeping an eye on Nelson Cruz up until a couple of days ago when he resigned with the Minnesota Twins. And I think there's also still uh, some posturing by the agent to find out if indeed uh, the National League is going to accept, you know, the Players Association will allow the National League to take universal dh again which i still think is going to happen but it might take a little while so uh you know would i love to see marcelo zuna smack dab in the middle of the Rays lineup yes like i said is that an aisle the Rays usually shopping 
No, uh, <laughs> but they've done some crazy things in the past. I go back to, uh, what, about three or four years ago when uh, Matt Silverman and company surprised us all by signing Wilson Ramos. And I know he was coming off an injury uh, that particular uh, situation, but uh, that was a, uh, kind of a surprise signing. And Wilson did some nice things for us offensively when he was healthy. Uh, Marcelo Zuna is a guy that could definitely be a little bit of a difference maker in the middle of the lineup. And I agree with you. Um, I'm anxious to see what uh, Brandon Lau is going to do uh, going forward. Uh, you know, again, he put together a real nice, solid season last year. But I think we all, as uh, broadcasters and as fans, uh, maybe are expecting just a little bit more, a little more consistency as, instead of the high highs and the low lows that seem to take place uh, in his game. I think, uh, you know, Willie Adamas uh, has something to prove after a pretty uh, slow uh, and uh, tough ending to the regular season, and then really not a very good postseason at all. Uh, it, will Randy Rosarina continue to do anything near what he did in the postseason uh, last year? Uh, you know, and then I thought KK put together a real good postseason. I think he's mm-hmm. kind of intriguing to see where he's going as he starts to figure out his swing at his game. Jimon Choi, I mean, I'm going to go up and down the lineup, but I think one of the more intriguing guys for me is going to be Austin Meadows. Let's see how he comes into camp. Let's see if he's in shape. And, uh, you know, we know what kind of a player Austin Meadows can be when he's uh, healthy and when he's in good shape. I think Austin Meadows could be a real big difference maker for this race team offensively if he is uh, in shape and if he is healthy. And this podcast really kind of dovetails nicely into some of the conversations you're probably going to have uh, this coming Thursday. It's already our first countdown to opening day. Super Bowl's around the corner, which means our show's around the corner as spring training is set to start. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, you know, again, uh, there's a lot of excitement around here with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being in the big game in Super Bowl 55. And then we know as soon as we uh, uh, shut the lights off at the Raymond James Stadium on Sunday night, it's baseball season here. And uh, it's been a heck of a run here for the Tampa Bay sports scene with the Lightning going to the Stanley Cup and uh, winning it. The Rays getting to the World Series and coming up a little bit short. And now the Bucks uh, being in the uh, Super Bowl. So, uh, there, there should be a lot of excitement surrounding uh, the Rays, uh, and deservedly so. Coming off a trip to the World Series, uh, yes, Charlie Morton and uh, you know Blake Snell have moved on, as have a couple of other players. But uh, as always, uh, we're all kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with uh, the guys that stuck around. And obviously, Wander Franco is a guy that's going to be coming to spring training, and a lot of eyes are going to be on him uh, going forward. As once again, he was named the top prospect. And, and uh, you know, of uh, minor league players. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Hopefully we'll be talking a lot here over the next couple of weeks with uh, the movers and shakers on the Rays, uh, Kevin Cash. Hopefully we'll be able to join us in the next uh, couple of weeks, Eric Neander, and then obviously a couple of the players to get their thoughts uh, going forward. But uh, it's it's kind of an interesting time. Usually by now I think uh, we, we, we've got a lot more things on, on, on paper and pen. I think I could probably speak for you and for a lot of people around baseball there's a lot of things on paper right now, but it's in pencil because it might have to be erased and moved uh, moved around. But either way, as soon as Sunday's over, uh, baseball season uh, is underway, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it, uh, really. This is a team that you know a lot of people, uh, I think, are going to say, all right, well, took a couple of steps back with some of the departures, but uh, never count out this race team and the job that uh, Kevin Cash and this playing, uh, these players have done over the last few years. They have been, obviously, one of the best teams in Major League Baseball for the last two or three years going. Uh, yes, and no reason they can't be that way again. Dave, great stuff. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and we look forward to the first show next week. Looking forward to it, Neil, and looking forward to seeing you again. It's been a while, so uh, stay safe, uh, go Bucks, and we'll talk soon. Really good stuff from Dave Wills, and uh, as promised, uh, the Rays announced some news this week. Uh, Denard Spann joining the Rays front office, and uh, as a special assistant, 
and it certainly is great to chat with him as well. No problem. I appreciate you having me. So first of all, welcome. Tell me uh, how all of this came about and, and how excited you are to, to work in a front office now. Uh, first of all, I'm very excited uh, for this opportunity um, to be able to you know, work for a, a first class organization. Um, and, and secondly, for it to be in my hometown is, is uh, unbelievable. So I'm just looking forward to that. And um, it, it came about in 2018, uh, you know, my my short stint with the Rays, uh, it, it just simply happened uh, through a conversation that Eric and I had on the day that they that the team traded me to the Seattle Mariners and uh, kind of just voiced that voice to him that um, in the future, I'd be open to join uh, rejoining the, the organization in, in some fashion. Uh, honestly, at the time, I was thinking thinking of it as uh, potentially as a player. Uh, I thought that I would play, you know, another couple years. But I also voiced him like, "Hey, even post career, I would love to be a part of the or- of this organization because I could already see the, the direction that they were going in." When did you start thinking about your post playing career? Because I know that's very difficult, especially for someone who really was still a productive player in that last season in 2018. Honestly, it wasn't until I retired. Um, obviously, when I had that conversation with him um, in 2018, you know, I, I knew that, you know, my career um, was coming coming close to an end. You know, I didn't think that 2018 would be my last season because, like you said, you know, I was still playing at a productive level. Um, but, you know, for, for various reasons, you know, my career um, came to an end. And, and then once that happened, then that was when, uh, you know, I reached out to Eric and, um, the conversations began, and, and we kind of picked up from the conversation that we had in Kevin Cash's office um, when they told me that they were trading me. And, and uh, you know, fast forward to that was 2019. Fast forward to now, a year later, and here we are. What were the qualities? Because you've played, you played for a number of teams. What are the qualities you really appreciate about this organization that made it attractive beyond the fact that it's local for you? Uh, I think, I think the, the fact that this organization finds a way to be competitive year in and year out with um, a fraction of, of the resources that a lot of other teams have. And um, you, you've seen over the last couple of years where, um, you know, teams are, are mimicking a lot of the things that the Rays are doing. Um, they're cherry picking um, from, you know, the top front office officials. And, and anytime you see that, um, you know, around the game, you, you already know that, that um, the Rays, um, are a first-class organization and, and an organization that other teams are trying to mirror themselves after. So um, it, it, you know, like you said, aside from it being um, uh, local, um, you know, I, I, this is the place where I think a lot of people would, would love to be. They also are a family-oriented organization. You've got uh, uh, two young boys um, and your wife. How much does that also play a factor that you can get started but also keep that life-family balance? It's huge. It was huge, man. And like I said, like, you know, when we started this conversation, um, just, you know, get an opportunity to, to be home and, and be local and, and, you know, Port Charlotte's right down the street, hour and a half. Obviously, the trop is 20 minutes from my house. Um, so, yeah, it's just huge to for me. You know, I have a, a young family and, you know, just huge for me to uh, just be able to spend time with them, um, especially after, you know, just a long career. And, uh, you know, being on the road for, you know, pretty much half the, half the year since, since the age of 18. And, and so, yeah, it meant a lot. It meant a lot to me and my family that, that uh, you know, I, I would be home um, pretty regularly. 
So uh, the title of special assistant is pretty broad. What types of things are you going to be doing for the organization? Uh, a little bit of everything. I think the plan right now is to uh, cast out a huge net and, uh, you know, just, just spread out my expertise and um, some of my experiences that I've had over the course of my, you know, major league career and also my minor league career. And, uh, you know, as, as I get into, get both feet in, in, in the door, um, then probably try to, um, you know, shorten, uh, shorten um, the things that uh, I will be doing. But um, I, I think the plan is just to, to have me, you know, learn a little bit from, from everyone within the organization and, uh, you know, just try to, like I said, uh, you know, just try to help as many people as I possibly can through the experiences that I've had. What are the things that you've learned so far um, in, in your dealings with the race front office? And how do you think it'll help you going forward in, in this new career? I, I've in, in my in my short lived um, time that I've had um, to this point, I, I would I, what has what I've noticed, I would say, is just how meticulous they the organization is, um, you know, just in every um, single detail um, that they, you know, go about trying to put together, um, you know, the best team, the best, you know, minor league team, the best organization, um, you know, the way they, you know, scout certain players. And uh, once again, that, that goes into, you know, just having that mindset of, um, you know, doing, doing a, a lot with a little. So, uh, I, I would say that, you know, they pay attention to to the, the little things and, and the small details. The one thing they didn't have, though, in this organization was someone like you who has 10 plus years of playing experience. You know, they had for a long time, the late Don Zimmer was in the front office as a special assistant. They had Rocco Baldelli before he transitioned into coaching was in the front office. How can what you've accomplished and the experiences you've had help give this organization kind of a uh, a different look. I think uh, just like what you just said, just as far as, um, you know, just, just coming at it from an angle of, you know, I, I've uh, been able, I've been blessed. I've been able to uh, experience a lot of things and, um, I, you know, I've made some, some mistakes along the way. And, and you know, I, I, I would, you know, be able to share those mistakes and, and, and those, you know, good decisions as well that I've made um, with, you know, the younger players, uh, whether it be minor leagues or major leagues. And, um, you know, just more, more, more so than anything, just being, um, being a guy that uh, within the organization where, you know, I could be a sounding board for, um, you know, the coaches, the, the front office, and, you know, just maybe get them to, to, uh, you know, look at it from a different angle, a di different point of view, um, you know, from a, from a guy that, uh, you know, ha has, you know, struggled in the minor leagues. I had a six, six year, um, took me six years to get to the major leagues and then spent almost 11 years in the major, um, and I'm sorry, six years in the minor leagues and then spent 11 years in, in the major league. So um, I, I think more than anything, just, a, you know, just a different perspective and um, that's it. Who were the great mentors for you uh, during those periods and who really had an influence? I would say first and foremost, my mother, um, you know, a lot of my um, grit and a lot of my strength um, came from her, you know, growing up in a single mother home, um, watching her, uh, you know, sh struggle and, and, and watching her, um, not give up, I, I would say, uh, you know, help me to, um, you know, have the have the endurance that I was able to have in, in, in the, during the course of my career. Um, and then from a, uh, a player standpoint, uh, a guy that I, I look up still to, look up to still to this day is Tory Hunter, um, a guy that um, w was the big dog, if you will, 
um, established center fielder when I got drafted in the Minnesota Twins organization. And uh, he was always somebody that, uh, you know, that I could lean on for advice, um, you know, just lean on for anything, whether it was baseball advice or even life advice. And, and so, I, you know, I, I, look, I, I look at how um, instrumental he was to me as a player. Um, you know, and that's honestly, that's all I, I hope to be uh, for, for players within this organization, somebody that they know they can lean on and, and somebody that um, they know that will give them sound advice, um, you know, uh, that will benefit their careers. Now, isn't he doing something similar with the Twins right now? And did you talk with he him is. He is. He is. Yes, he is. He's a special assistant as well. And um, you know what? It's funny when we now that we when we get on the phone, we don't talk much baseball now. It's more about life and uh, you know kids and you know his kids are older and uh, you know just more just about uh, you know becoming a better man more than anything. I didn't know if because you were taking a similar path, if if you discussed you know what what are some of the things that he runs into or or that sort of thing. I haven't yet. I haven't had that discussion with him um in, in in detail but um you better believe i will be uh reaching out to him you know you had mentioned the the possibility of helping mentor major league players minor league players your your hiring obviously comes at a unique time how different do you think it's going to be let's say just in a covid world versus non-covid world for you uh right now I, you know I, that's that's a great question i think you know that's the million dollar question that uh I'm not sure, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, not ideal for, uh, you know, anybody to be coming into a new organization, especially uh, during COVID. And, and so, you know, for me, you know, I, I'm just, you know, coming, coming into the situation, um, you know, with, with, you know, my listening ears and, and, you know, just um, with an open mind and, and, and just ready to, to learn more than anything, even though I, I feel like I have a lot to give. Um, I have a lot, I feel like as well, I have a lot to learn uh, within the game of baseball. And, and uh, you know, I, I think during COVID, there's going to be some challenges with, uh, with uh, you know, traveling and, and uh, you know, with games played and, and different things like that. Um, you know, guys possibly testing positive, but, um, you know, we just got to, you know, take it, take it one day at a time and, and take it with a grain of salt and, and just try to make the most out of our opportunities that, uh, that, that I get it and that everybody else will get as well. The time that you're entering is unique, not only because of that, because of what's gone on in our country too, Denard. Do you see, you know, it was a time where the Rays had probably more uh, black ball players on their club than anyone in Major League Baseball, whether it was the OA team with Cliff Floyd, BJ, Carl Crawford, Edwin Jackson, David Price. Do, can you be a, a mentor for, for young black players and, and be a sounding board for some of the challenges that they're going to go through? Without a doubt, you know, I experienced, you know, that obviously firsthand. So, um, yeah, I, I look forward to, uh, you know, being being that for the for the African-American and even, you know, possibly uh, Latin American players as well. So um, that's something that, um, you know, I, I will definitely um, gravitate t towards, uh, you know, those minority players and, and just try to, you know, uplift them, encourage them, um, you know, if, if that's what they need and, and, you know, just share with them my experiences um, that, that, yeah, that, that's the best thing I can possibly do for those guys. And I guess an example too, for just guys who may want to be future work in front offices to have an example, to see somebody who's, who's moved into that from a playing career as well. Most definitely. I think most definitely, uh, you know, part of the reason why 
um, I wanted to to be a baseball player is because I saw other African American baseball players, and and so I, I think it's no different, um, you know, for for a young kid to see um, an African American, um, you know, in the front office, just knowing that hey, this is possible. When you're done playing, uh, there there is a spot uh, in a prominent position for you in this in this in this game of baseball. Obviously, we're talking down the road, but do you have aspirations of being back on the field in a coaching capacity at some point or, or managerial aspirations? What uh, do you have you even given any thought to your long term outlook? You know what I have? I have. And that's just that's the beauty of uh, coming into the, um, you know, this this side of the game and, and where I'm at in my life is, you know, I have, you know, I, I'm still not 100 percent sure uh, what I want to do, but I have um I have thought about and the thought has crossed my mind of, you know, maybe one day being a manager or, you know, or maybe one day, um, you know, being a, being a general manager uh, uh, or, or something like that. So, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I'm definitely, you know, keeping keeping all of that uh, open um, as I, you know, come into this 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 position, this job. And you did get a little bit of time between the end of your playing career and the start of this. How much has that helped um, for you just to kind of get that kind of peace of mind and, and have that separation? I think it's been good. You know, it, it's definitely definitely was a transition, you know, to, to um, you know, go from not playing after playing for 17 years, you know, 17 years uh, every every year consistently preparing for a season and being on the road. Um, so, yeah, I would say. 2019 was, uh, you know, it was challenging, um, but, you know, I've made my peace with it and, you know, I've I've turned the page um, from my playing career and, and, you know, I'm at a different uh, point in my life and, you know, I'm ready for a new challenge. And and I believe that, uh, you know, this is the challenge for me because I, um, you know, I love this game. I love the game of baseball. Um, You know, I used to think that it was sad, you know, that baseball was, uh, you know, the only thing that I, in, in a lot of ways had, but, you know, it, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing sad, you know, to me that baseball is my love and it's something I, I've, um, you know, been a part of since the age of five. And, and so um, I, I have so much to, I feel to, to give to the game and I'm uh, just looking forward to it. Well, I think the Rays are uh, obviously very excited to have you on board. I think the fan base is as well. And I think it speaks to obviously not only the kind of career you had on the field, but the way you carried yourself off it too. And, uh, Welcome aboard to the Rays and hopefully a, a long uh, and great amount of time of success. Thank you so much. Really good stuff from Denard Spann. Certainly his uh, addition was well received. He was uh, one of six hires made by the Rays, and we have a listing, and as well as a number of promotions that uh, went in our uh, the Rays front office, too, on the baseball side of things. And they're all listed on our blog, RaysRadio.moblogs.com. Obviously, we've touched on the fact that spring training now is around the corner, and one of the guys going back is a guy who was uh, part of spring training last year, that being reliever Tyler Zombro. Tyler, thanks very much for being with us. Uh, obviously, I'm very excited to get back, you know, especially not being at the alternate site uh, last year in 20. Just to get back out on the field with the guys and, and be in competition is something I'm extremely excited for. I know it was very difficult for you and so many others. What did you do during the whole period uh, last year and and how did you try and make sure you got better going into this year yeah you know thankfully I had a pretty good setup um, with where I was at in terms of of course me doing my work related stuff so nap was very transparent and communicating to continue you know throwing lives making sure I'm getting innings in you know especially being on standby for the alternate site so 
thankfully I was able to throw two lives per week. Um, of course I had TrackMan data, still able to do pitch design work uh, and still face high level pro hitters. So I'm, I'm grateful in that regard. I certainly know that a lot of guys had it worse. You are certainly a little more advanced than most in terms of understanding the analytics. We've talked about that. How did, how did your stuff improve either velocity wise, spin rate wise, shape wise? What types of things do you think you improved from a year ago? Yeah. So in 2019, you know, like you and I have communicated on previously, I think our player development staff did a really good job of telling me, you know, kind of where I succeeded, where I'm an outlier, um, especially in terms of increasing sweep on the slider to try to continue to get more swings and misses. So um, overall, they gave me some good parameters in terms of the depth on the sinker, the run on the sinker, the sweep on the slider, and then uh, the depth on the change up as well. So I've been getting after all of those parameters and ultimately have have gotten pretty dialed in on those metrics and feel good about it. Was it harder from a mental standpoint or a physical standpoint, the the not having games and trying to treat a, a live as, a, as your game situation? I think day in and day out, definitely the mental side, you know, it's just, it's so different than my typical end season flow of wake up, go to the coffee shop, do a little bit of work, go to the field, you know, you kind of have your routine there with you know, doing your prep work and you're around your teammates, there's, there's that social aspect for sure. And then of course, pregame, you know, sitting in the bullpen, whatever it might be. So mentally on a day-to-day basis, it was so different um, in terms of trying to get my own training in where I'm simulating innings followed by a pretty extensive work period afterwards on the physical side. You know, I think I just always try to take it with a grain of salt when I'm indoors, not in competition. You know, typically your velo is not quite as high. And um, ultimately, just kind of, I think that's the great thing about data is you can still regulate things and, and good feedback. So I was able to, to utilize that more so than, you know, adrenaline and kind of that feel that you get actually being in a game. That said, since you'll almost be a year without a real game, and this goes for a lot of guys who are going to deal with this, you almost have to throttle back the adrenaline when you get to even spring training games or or live BP situations with your teammates to make sure you're kind of staying in control and 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 not overamping. I I think it's going to be exciting to obviously get cleats on and and get back in dirt. So one of the things that um, I'm extremely grateful down here in Charlotte with you know my new job as director of performance at Tread. There's a phenomenal hitting guy who's a coordinator with the Tigers, Joel McKeithen, who I have a good relationship with, and he's invited me to to face numerous of his pro hitters. So, you know, like, in fact, yesterday I go over and I'm able to throw, you know, 45 to 50 pitches against hitters. And like you're kind of talking about, I, I really enjoy being exposed to that stimulus now because I certainly think you get to spring training. It's warmer in Florida. You've got spikes in dirt. Uh, you get a hitter in there. Um, obviously, that adrenaline is going to be much, much more than in a facility alone. So thankfully, I've been able to integrate some small pieces of that here early on. You're throwing 45, 50 pitches in a simulated situation. You're probably more advanced than most guys at this point, early February, yes? Yeah, I would say so. I, I mean, you know how I am with data and pitch design. So typically, uh, I go down the rabbit hole of throwing a lot of pitches, and that's something that you know, I certainly uh, try to pride myself in is, is the ability to have a high workload volume, uh, be able to throw back-to-back days. Obviously, I know that our pitching staff 
definitely values that the way that we're able to utilize pieces. So for me, making sure that I can hit a lot of those parameters uh, prior to spring training is really important in my mind. You had mentioned the new job. Touch on how that came about. You were with R&D for a while, basically from the time you graduated college um, to this pandemic. How did that uh, all evolve into the new position going from Virginia to Charlotte? Yeah, so, you know, I had been at R&D. I met those guys in 2012, started interning in 2015, of course, became the lead throwing trainer there in 2017 before I signed as a free agent. And um, Tread Athletics, especially Ben Brewster, who's down here, he's the CCO. Ben, obviously, is well known throughout the industry, and he and I had bounced ideas in terms of training thoughts uh, over the past few years, kind of back and forth. And I know that Tread obviously was expanding fairly quickly. Uh, he reached out to me about my interest in coming down here. Obviously, it's a super young, motivated company. You know, we're approaching 600 athletes and kind of the model of efficiency that we work with is unmatched in the industry. So I came down here to interview with these guys and, you know, kind of fell in love with the atmosphere and Ultimately, the, the really cool thing is in the director of performance type role, it's not like I'm isolated to one given scenario. Um, I'm able to do a lot with TrackMan, a lot with analytics, both on the ball flight physics side and as it pertains to in-game performance-based stuff. So being around these guys who have different specializations, whether that's strength stuff, patterning, biomechanics, for me, it's more on the data side um, and being able to integrate that holistically and work with a lot of really, really high level clients, um, you know, multiple big leaguers, a uh, high number of pros has been really fun. You mentioned the, the number of athletes. How, how um, different is the type of athletes they're working with compared to R&D? Is it more high school, more college, more pro? What's the, what's the uh, demographic like? Yeah, so at R&D... Obviously, things had kind of blossomed with me where when I started in 2016, 2017, we had um, one or two pros, and then that number crept up to 40. Uh, and then, of course, as you work kind of throughout the day in that in-facility setting, you get a lot of high school guys kind of coming in later in the afternoon into the night. At Tread, um, you know, a, an athlete technically gets assigned a coach, but in reality, you're actually getting all of the coaches that kind of contribute into your program because we're here in the same offices communicating very thoroughly. So the average athlete that I'm working with is actually a professional. Um, you know, I have a lot of high level college guys who should be very good draft picks. I have a couple high school kids who are kind of in that same boat in terms of being a draft pick. And um, thankfully I'm able to handle some good agent relationships as well. But typically my client myself is going to be in the pro game. Is there a certain level of pride then, Tyler, for you? Obviously, you want to get to the big leagues yourself, but seeing guys get to the big leagues or get big league contracts? Yeah, I think, I don't, I don't know how much you and I have expanded on this, but um, I actually was speaking with my wife about this the other day, and I, I don't know if there's something I'm more proud of in my career thus far, playing or coaching, than Sam McWilliams getting a big league contract. Just the type of guy that he is, um, there's a lot of stuff with Sam that people don't know, but he's one of the most genuine caring people you'll ever meet um, and sacrifices a lot for people that he loves and really cares about. Um, so seeing him get that contract and knowing that I was a small piece of helping him increase his velocity, obviously the track man metrics and 
his agent and I are very close. So I'm able to distribute numbers to him and we kind of conversate on what makes Sam good. How can we continue to get better? And then ultimately to see him sign that deal with the Mets out of the alternate site was, you know, very rewarding for me because I know that that's life changing for Sam. Very cool indeed on a number of levels. And you mentioned your wife. Through all this, you got married too in the midst of a pandemic? I did. Thankfully, um, you know, we had a really good wedding. Everybody was healthy. Everybody was safe. Couldn't have asked for a better setup. I'm, I'm very thankful that it was able to run smoothly and we were still able to take care of everybody health-wise as well. And she's what, a traveling nurse? How, how challenging is that in this period of time? She is. Uh, and, you know, I'm very thankful that she was accommodating when we made the move from D.C. down here to Charlotte. Uh, she was working in a children's hospital up there, and obviously she's latched on to a travel nursing assignment here in Charlotte, and she's been very versatile and flexible to kind of um, really accommodate what's best for me in terms of my playing and working career. So forever indebted for that. Um, and, of course, she's been she's been specialized in labor and delivery and pediatric work, but, of course, during COVID has been floated to the respiratory unit a few times, and, you know, thankfully all is well with her, and you know, she hasn't been sick, and, and the way it sounds in terms of her hospital settings, everything's been going pretty well. And, and if I might ask, has she had the chance to at least to get vaccinated to this point? And is, that, is there a comfort if that's the case? Yeah, she... So at her previous hospital, um, they were in the process of doing that with her travel nursing assignment. Her technical travel agency will pose that. And I know the the actual doses haven't, I guess, come around to her location for the travel nurse. But uh, I believe, you know, when she gets that opportunity, that's probably something that she'll be doing. Because I guess for, for all athletes, the ability to stay healthy through all this is, is can be challenging. Yeah, definitely. I think that's one thing we talked a lot about in terms of the vaccine is however this season progresses and lays out. Of course, you know, I'm, I don't anticipate her flying around to, you know, five, six, seven different hospitals throughout the season. However, you know, if she's vaccinated to make sure that her and I are safe and able to do things flexibly kind of as we see. Well, Tyler, we're very excited for you to be back in uh, big league spring training um, we hope it goes really well for you, and uh, welcome back to uh, to baseball and, and seeing hitters again. Uh, hitters, I guess, in game situations. Yeah, thank you. I'm uh, certainly very excited to get back out there and definitely be around the guys again. Great to have Tyler Zombro on the podcast, also Denard Spann and Dave Wills, too. Again, as we told you, our first Countdown Opening Day show is on Thursday. Follow our Twitter account, at Rays Radio, for details on that and the guests. Uh, and uh, we look forward to uh, you being having a chance to hear from some raised players and coaches in front office over the next several weeks. And before long, we'll hopefully have some spring training games starting too. Uh, in the meantime, stay safe and healthy. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Go Bucks. We'll talk with you soon. <laughs>